What's going on, everyone? My name is Sergeant First Class Ellis Noto with the Indiana National Guard, back again with another edition of the Lima Charlie Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Sergeant Katie Barterhuff, and today's very special guests, the Golden Knights from the United States Army. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today on the Lima Charlie Podcast. Good morning. Welcome to the... uh Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, thank Good you for morning. having us. Great to be here. I really love the lack of uniform and name tags because I'm not going to remember <laughs> anybody's name. Uh, would you guys introduce yourself? Tell us your MOS, your background here in the uh, the U.S. Army. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go first. Uh, I'm Staff Sergeant Jason Bowder. Uh, I've been in the Army for 10 years now. I joined as an 11 Charlie Infantry Mortarman. Uh, did that for five years at uh, Fort Lewis and then Fort Carson, Colorado, before I joined the Golden Knights, and I'm stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Good old Fort Bragg. How about yourself, Sergeant? I'm Sergeant First Class Jake Kirkow. I've been in the Army for 15 years now. I joined out of Force Lake, Minnesota, suburb of Minneapolis. Uh, joined as a 68 Whiskey Combat Medic. Served mostly at Fort Bragg. I did three years up in Alaska and then back at Fort Bragg right now. Oh, man. Bragg, Alaska, Bragg, Alaska, and yeah. Minnesota. That's right. You must really love nice weather. I love <laughs> I don't do well in the heat. Oh my god. How about yourself, Sergeant? Uh, I'm Sergeant First Class Ryan Reese, originally from Tacoma, Washington. Been in the Army 18 and a half years. I originally joined as a 92 Romeo parachute maintenance maintenance technician and later reclassed to communications. It's cool, sorry. And you're you're kinda of, I guess the, the first guy we've had that's that started with a ninety two Romeo, right? Because you guys both started with different MOSs. How did you how did that end up in the, in the Golden Knights. I mean, what is the history of the Golden Knights, and how did you guys come to being where you are right now? So the Golden Knights are actually comprised of pretty much any MOS. Any enlisted MOS is able to join the Golden Knights. Uh, as long as you're able to accumulate 75 to 100 free fall jumps and you're between the ranks at E1 through E7, you can put in an application to attend our assessment and selection, and that's what the team's made up of. So you're telling me you have spots for a veterinary food inspection specialist, a 68 Romeo, the greatest MOS in the Army. Absolutely. I can, I can do it. That's that's awesome. Absolutely. Oh, so we actually have a guy actually who transferred services from the Air Force recently, uh, last year. Really? Yep. So he was in the Air Force as a security forces, and then he wanted to come to our selection program, came to our selection program, got selected, transferred branches. Now he's in the army. Oh wow! So you're not kidding. You can come from any component, even the space force. Yes. Come on over. <laughs> yeah. Come on over. I'd love to see it. That's great. Uh, that's actually really cool. I didn't know that you could do basically an inner service transfer yep. to try out for the Golden Knights. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So all of you started with different MOSs, but then you ended up part of the Golden Knights. How how did parachuting trick your interest, and then how did you find the Golden Knights? So all of us actually still maintain our MOSs. I'm still okay. an 11 Charlie, so I'm still maintain my MOS. Um, but to come to the Golden Knights, you just have to have 100 free fall jumps. Whether you get those civilian side or military side, does not matter. Okay. You just have to have 100 free fall jumps to attend our selection program. Um, I was, I honestly didn't have like an aspiration to come to the Golden Knights when I started skydiving. I was just going for fun. I went as a bucket list item. You know, everybody jumps out of an airplane once, right? For sure. Uh, so I went and did that, and I, I fell in love with jumping out of airplanes. I did that for a few years, and then I figured, well, the Army's got a parachute team. What's the worst they tell me is, no, we don't want you. So I put in my application, and here I am. <laughs> so I actually got very lucky. My MOS is what brought me to the Golden Knights. Um, 
I was I had just gotten home from a deployment. I my my brigade senior medic called me up and said, "Hey, I have a uh, sixty day assignment. Do you want to go down to Florida for sixty days?" I was like, "For what?" And he tells me, "Don't really know. Something to do with parachute medical <laughs> coverage." I was like, "Well, it's Florida for sixty days. It's the winter time. Cool. I'm about it." Still had no idea what I was doing until about three days beforehand. Didn't know who the Golden Knights were. Didn't know anything about it. Just knew I was going to do medical coverage for jumps. Um, I got down to Florida. I met the team. I was like, wow, this is a thing you can do in the Army? So um, I made some friends on the team, learned a lot about it, and it was actually some of my teammates that taught me how to skydive. And I put in an application packet. It took me about a year to get the 100 jumps in my application went through selection and made it to the team that's uh that's really cool yep. you were similar i guess you you started out in uh in the airborne operations right with 92 romeo yeah i i always wanted to go skydiving from a young age and my mom always thought i was crazy so <laughs> well i mean uh, if your friend's gonna jump off a, off exactly. a bridge you, are you gonna do it she too use that same line she's always like yeah i am i'm gonna chase him right off of that bridge yeah, absolutely no mom he's gonna chase me out the bridge. yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh that's uh basically how it started for me is i always wanted to go skydiving so when i joined and they said hey be a be a parachute maintenance technician you're guaranteed to go to airborne school i said oh sweet and i found out that's not skydiving that's static line <laughs> oh, that's not what i thought this was and uh, so it's always been something I wanted to do. So uh, <clears throat> I eventually went skydiving and said, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. I'm going to keep doing this. And just the rest of the guys, we did it as, as fun. It was cathartic for us. I think, you know, a lot of people have their things. They go fishing, they go camping, doing this or that. We went skydiving to relax. And that's what we did. And then later on, after the few places that I'd been stationed, I was like, man, that seems like something I could, I could do. And what's the, and just like Jason said, what's the worst they can say is no, at least I'm going to give it a go. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try. And so went, actually went to tryouts with this guy. We were, we were uh, tracking partners in tryouts <clears throat> and, uh, yeah. Spent way too much time with him. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I actually also went to tryouts with this guy. <laughs> oh I might've gone through twice. <laughs> I, uh, I ended up injuring myself when yeah. I was in his class. So I had, I think, 62 jumps when they accepted me, basically because I had made the connection with the team and they had done a lot of my training. But I just, I wasn't ready for it yet. And I was kind of a mess in my first one. But I... Uh, I think we all were. Okay. I, yeah, I tried to learn from him and it just didn't go well. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, just, uh, yeah. Now that's uh that's really cool and we had spoken a moment ago about uh someone transferring from the air force over to your your guys team what is that process like to apply to be a member of the golden knights do you is it only for active component uh is someone who is in a guard or reserve component eligible uh we had spoke about you know having a certain number of jumps prior what other skills is your team tier team looking for in their assessment process so well, multiple multiple questions there. So first off, yes, anybody is eligible to apply. You will have to agree to go active duty, though, on the team. This is a full-time job. Of course. So if you are guard or reserve, we have had at least one person that I know of that maintained their position in the reserves and just stayed active, and her reserve unit just had her assigned to the Golden Knights. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that's the only person I know of that's like that. Otherwise, you'll have to agree to go active army and be assigned to the team. 
I was just going to say, fun fact about that person. Uh, they joined our team, and they're a multi-time world champion in skydiving parachuting. You can look them up. Oh, Sergeant wow. First Class Jen Davidson. Sorry, Master Sergeant Jen Davidson. There you go. Master Sergeant Jen Davidson. Yeah. Um, and she was the only one, she's the only one I know of as well that was able to actually make to the rank of Master Sergeant and stay on the team. Wow. Because most of us are all, it's E137 and then active component will send you on your way back to your MOS after you make E8. So um, as far as what we're looking for in our assessment and selection, we're looking for teammates, people that work well as a team, people that have good work ethic, people that we can be on the road with 250 days out of the year. We're, we're seeing each other more than we are our own families. So we need teammates, and that's pretty much the end of it. We honestly don't care all that much about how good you can skydive. We can teach you how to skydive. One of the things they kept saying to me when I was going through is we can teach a monkey how to skydive, but we can't make a good teammate. So that's what they're looking for. And I think that's one of the awesome things about this team. So everybody here, I can look to my left and right and know I trust this guy with my life and willing to go operate with him. So looking to go operate. What a great I mean segue. That that's it does sound like special operations. It is special operations, right? I mean, this is that's what they're looking for in those in the special operations teams, the you know, the eighteen series is someone who's a good teammate. You can train anyone to do anything, but that, that teammate ability is so critically important not only in that, but in everything we do in, in the United States Army, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's something that you, you can't get around. You have to be able to work together and be a teammate and be uh, individually responsible so that the people around you can trust you. Because, for example, just for the Indy 500 here, right, I was sent three days in advance to coordinate and plan everything that the Golden Knights are doing during this show. And so that these guys have to be able to trust that when they get here, that all the preparations that I've made are going to take care of them. And, and speaking of the Indy 500, are you guys able to tell us what you're going to be doing? I'm assuming something with skydiving, but what will you guys be doing here at the Indianapolis 500? 107th running, I think. 108th running? It's 107th. 107th running. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. I know. 107th <laughs> running yes. of the Indy 500 uh, here in a few days. Uh, what will you guys be doing? So we're part of the opening ceremonies here, and uh, we'll be jumping in during a lot of the military recognition uh, time at the beginning of the race. Um, and then we also have a little bit of a caveat. One of our teammates, Sergeant First Class Keith Pierce, just retired. And so we're dedicating that jump to him. So there will be a shout out to him. And we'll be presenting him his retirement certificate once we get onto the ground. Oh, that's great. That's What a, what a great way to retire. <laughs> I wonder if I can get that from the Army National Guard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Just stay in touch with us. We'll do a jump for oh you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to prepping for the um, like the Indy 500, um, what does the training and preparation kind of look like um, for you guys when it comes to creating that? A lot. There is a lot that goes into it. So obviously our full-time job is jumping that we yeah. train day in and day out on these parachutes um an average jump day is anywhere from four to ten jumps a day is pretty average for okay. our uh, normal training days uh as we're going through our assessment and selection process to become a demonstrator we do approximately i think our class did what 223 jumps in an eight-week period i think it was actually wow. 240 yeah. uh, something like it maybe yeah it was, it was, it was yeah. a ridiculous amount we, we yeah. do a lot of jumps um <laughs> So we do that, and it's jumping six days a week. I think most I did was 19 jumps in a day, which 
Yeah, you wow. guys I, I missed one. I got 18. <laughs> you got to be hurting yeah. a little bit with oh, that. It's, it's absolutely exhausting, but you go through this and you just build all of that muscle memory okay. for packing your parachute, uh, gear checks, rigging up your equipment, checking other people's gear, watching everybody, watching all your teammates, making sure they're not doing anything silly, mm. you know. And then we jump out, we land, and we go do it again and do it again and do it again. And that's six days a week for an eight-week period, obviously minus a couple, like, weather days or wherever where you can't jump. Sure. So, and then after we make the team, everybody is going to go to their first annual certification cycle down in Florida, we are, or we call it our winter training. Uh, and that's what I was telling you earlier that I did the medical coverage for. But we go down there, and we get another um, 150 to 250 jumps, once again, depending on weather. But the idea is that everybody has at least 500 jumps, can be a D-licensed skydiver, and get a what we call a pro rating on a canopy. So that basically the uh, governing body for parachuting in the United States, they basically give us a uh, certification saying, hey, we can go do demos in all of these small areas and land around people safely. So we'll go do all of our maneuvers, all the free fall maneuvers, all the canopy maneuvers, and be able to trust that this person can land that parachute on that X every time. So quick tying that into recruiting, there are civilian certificates you actually earn from the army will provide you with basically from this, this, uh, this organization. Yes. 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 So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. For example, uh, we're all tandem instructors here as well. So we can take people for tandem skydives. Oh, wow. Um, I personally, I got my tandem instructor certificate through, uh, the United States army. Same. And that's also, that's applicable in the civilian world. That's that's incredible. I'm sorry, I cut you off. My apologies. No, this is also me too. That we we all got our tandem instructor ratings through the U.S. Army. We have a tandem examiner on our team with us that trained us all how to be tandem instructors. That's and then okay, you go, go. no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say the you know the cool part about that is okay, we got this certificate, and now we're on the Army parachute team's tandem section, and we will travel around the country and take local community folks for tandem skydives. So. Just recently, we were in Austin, Texas, taking uh, local Austin educators and guidance counselors wow. and community leaders there for tandem skydives. Let them experience what we do in the United States Army so that they can put a face and a name to the Army and have a good experience. And you're taking an Army National Guard podcast recruiter with you during the 500, correct? As yeah, a tandem? absolutely. Uh, I don't know what her name might be. Um, speaking speaking of, of, of jumping, though, what, what goes through your mind? when you you jump out of that airplane right and, and has it changed from your first jump to your ten thousands whatever you guys are on right now i, mean, I don't know what as is is that mentality different now my thoughts I, pretty much don't screw up yeah no, <laughs> <that's> good <laughs> yeah and, well i would say my, my mentality has definitely changed a little bit i mean the stress level has certainly gone down after thousands of jumps but it's, it never goes away at the end of the day you're still jumping out of an aircraft like you, you can't get over that fact you're still jumping out but I mean, in the, in the beginning, when you're just an inexperienced skydiver, your first, you know, zero to 100 jumps, everything is very overwhelming. So it's easy to get lost in the details and stuff like that. Once you're, you know, thousands of parachute jumps in. So I personally have about between four and 5,000 um, wow. jumps. But it starts to become very routine. Like I, I have a routine for everything that I do. I put my uniform on the same way. I put my rig on the same way. I gear check the same way. I check everything every time the same way. And I know, too, that everybody else on the team has the exact same training, the exact same routine, so that when me and Jake are 
going to go for a skydive together. I know exactly what he's going to do. He knows exactly what I'm going to do. And everything is seamless. I feel like I never so, know what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's, again, it's teamwork. Yeah, exactly. He, yep. So it all, it all, everything will come back to that. And so when I'm going on jumps with these guys, my mentality is just focused on the jump. What do I have to do? What are my responsibilities? You know, I don't have to worry about, okay, what are, what are Jake's responsibilities? I know Jake's got his responsibilities taken care of. And you can trust that person with, with your life, right? I mean, you're, you're yeah, trusting because exactly. you guys are trusting your, your 92 Romans. You're trusting your parachute workers. You're trusting the pilots. You're trusting so many of your army teammates. And that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. That's a cool, uh, cool thing to think about. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. I'll go, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, so you've done over, well, let's say four to 5,000 jumps. Have you two done roughly the same or more? I'm somewhere a little over 2,000, I think. Okay. I don't do a great job of logging every oh. <laughs> single jump. I just kind of make sure I stay current and, yeah. Okay. Um, around 3,100. Show offs. Okay. Wow. So between the three of you, there's been a lot of jumping, and I'm sure you guys have all had very interesting experiences and gone to really cool events, but what's been the most memorable? Ooh. One of my most memorable jumps was I got to do a canopy relative work. It's called a side-by-side -side formation. Basically, two of us fly our canopies into each other. He grabs onto my parachute. He climbs down my lines. We hook a strap up to each other, and then we're connected to each other flying side-by-side. -side. Um, and then, so we did that. I have the, um, the national colors flying from my parachute. So I've got a flag inside my parachute. Pull that down. I'm flying that. We got smoke, everything flying through the St. Louis Arch while the national anthem is playing on Independence Day. That was a good one. Oh, wow. That was you? Yeah. That I saw me. that. That's pretty cool. So that that was like a pretty special jump to my heart. Like that was something that like it completely blew my mind. And the wild thing about it is that while you're on well, – I remember the skydive. Like I can visually go back and be like I remember being there and I wasn't thinking about any of that. The only things that I was thinking about was Rico next to me. Hey, we got to go left. We got to go right. You know, we're in a good spot. We need to adjust this, that, you know, just the skydive. And then you get to the ground and all of that emotion like catches back up with you. And then you're like, okay, now I'm feeling all of it. But while you're, while you're doing the jump, you're completely in the moment. Everything is. Don't hit the arch. Yeah, don't hit the <laughs> arch. Like everything is, everything is happening right in front of you. So you've got to be completely present and react yeah. to all of that. Wow. That's that's a really cool one. I gotta say, that's, <laughs> thank you. I all mean, right, it's, it's a crazy experience that I'm super grateful to be able to have had. What about you? Who's topping it? Oh yeah, uh, that, that was a good story. I, mean, I, I know. Maybe I, I should have went you. last. You know, I should have <laughs> let you guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna point out that I flew through the arch before Jason did. Ooh. That's it. <laughs> did do that. Okay. <laughs> that was a uh, very, very fun jump. Uh, so the arch is actually considered a uh, national park. Yep, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's part, part of the national, national park. park service. So, okay. um, flying the parachute, or sorry, the national park service has kind of a uh, weird relationship with parachutes. They don't like them. So, anywhere that's near a national park, we almost never get to jump. So that okay. was, I think, the first time in like. 20 some years that anybody got to fly a parachute through the arch. It used to be done, I think like back in the eighties or early nineties, something like that. Um, 
And then we got to be the first to fly through that again. I was actually really stoked because I was going to be the very first person. And then our, because uh, I was doing what we call a wind dummy. I'll explain that in a little bit. <laughs> but I get out and I go go to fly through it. But I didn't know our team leader was getting out behind me on a really small, fast parachute. And right before I'm about to go through this arch and be the first person yeah. in 20 some years, he just cruises right oh, past me. Yes. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that was my big memory from that jump. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Um, but no, there's been so many cool jumps, so many cool places that are just stunningly gorgeous. Um, Hawaii is absolutely beautiful. There's been a lot of really cool places, like out in the desert. You go, um, there was a drop zone outside of Las Vegas that we went and did a tandem camp at. And uh, the desert and the mountains and everything in the background. So we were right over the Valley of Fire. And just seeing those views from 12,000 feet is just amazing or we went and did that camp in december i don't know if anybody knows the weather out there in december but it is cold it is oh, really cold and i was just so mesmerized by just the views from the airplane i just sat there in the do open door of the airplane freezing i can't <laughs> feel my hands and i was just like i can't stop looking at this it's absolutely beautiful so i, I honestly i love the airplane rides i love the jumps um i would say one of my most memorable jumps though was uh with him he was actually shooting video on me doing crew that we had talked about and we were in tacoma washington uh his hometown by the nice. way and we, we were jumping in a very very small parking lot into the down. hospital yep yeah i remember that one yeah it was uh during uh you know in 2020 the covid shutdown hit and everything mm -hmm. and the only people going to work were um healthcare workers and you guys and, apparently and yeah so yeah. <laughs> we ended up doing kind of a uh, salute to service to healthcare workers around the country and um we went to a bunch and jumped into a bunch of hospitals to just do presentations to doctors nurses everybody that was working but we were doing this jump and um we had kind of we had planned that we were going to do that side-by-side -side formation it was myself and uh staff sergeant mike connors he was my new guy at the time and i was kind of training him on how to do all this stuff jason was shooting a video on us we got out we opened up really high and because we wanted this picture with our side-by-side -side split and he was going to frame mount rainier in the oh, background okay. oh, and wow. we were both flying like a big american flag and a big pow mia flag and I had a little bit of a malfunction with my flag that kind of sent us into this weird little like spin and in doing so I worked it out. We figured it out. We got the formation. I was like, not giving up this shot, right? We we're going to get this photo shoot. And by the time I looked down, I was like, where are we? Oh no! <laughs> I had no idea. I couldn't find any of the other parachutes. I looked over at Mike who I'm teaching and he's getting new at this. I was like, where are, are we dude? Because I was the one dealing with the flag malfunction. Like, mm -hmm. And he goes, I don't know. That's your job. You're my whole guy. I was like, oh, I was like, well, Jason's still with us. Maybe he knows where to go. <laughs> and, uh, but we got the shot and we looked down. I was just looking at a whole downtown area. No idea where we were. I was like, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> but I was like, Mike, how do you feel about landing in the water? <laughs> but I don't know. At the last minute, I finally found where we were landing. Um, what I didn't realize was Jason was still kind of flying behind me on a faster parachute than we were on. And we were coming to this really small parking lot. It was like 100 feet by 100 feet. Cut in the middle by a row of trees and surrounded by power lines. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm flying my pattern. Figure we're going to be good. And Jason's you guys were, right You guys me. were good. 
Uh, Jason wasn't. <laughs> so anyway, Jason landed in a tree. I didn't land in a tree. Yeah, I got to tell my cool story, and then you got to try and cut me down here. Actually. <laughs> but my feet die? touched the ground, and then my parachute went in the tree. Wow. I didn't. I landed, and then my parachute went in the tree. I didn't land in the tree. Makes it, it a little better. <laughs> details matter in this story. <laughs> there, there was a lot of details in that story, but that that was the gist of it. And it was just such a uh, a rush in getting that photo shoot and. That's that might be one of the coolest pictures I've ever had of myself that Jason took. It's been on my Facebook thing for uh, for years now, <laughs> and I, I always look back at that, and I'll always remember that jump. But. Yeah, I was in a Tacoma General where my brother was born, or he came from, came away from. Hi, Grayson. That's cool. <laughs> <Shots> <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we have the uh, the opportunity to jump both into cool demos like that as well as do cool uh, tandem passengers. So being a huge sports fan, one of my coolest demos that we did for one weekend, we jumped into a high school game on Friday. Then we jumped into an Oklahoma-UCLA game in the Rose Bowl on Saturday. And then when the Rams were still playing in the L.A. Coliseum, when the Saints were playing the Rams, we jumped into the L.A. Coliseum on Sunday. So it was kind of like a one of like it was, was almost busy. a fantasy sports weekend for me and wow. then um the cool people that i've gotten to do tandems with got to jump with carl lewis uh u.s olympian uh nate burleson who's a big uh he played in the nfl for 12 years nicest guy couldn't have been nicer he was awesome and then i also got to meet and jump with uh, jessica lynch the wow. uh, pow from the early part of the war She's actually here right now, uh, this weekend here in Indianapolis. Uh, I spoke to someone about her uh, the other day. It's, it's crazy that uh, oh, she is. what a small, no what a small oh, so, yeah, we're gonna have yeah, to go meet. Yeah, yeah we're gonna go say hi. No way. I will. Uh, I'll actually connect with you after after this episode about that. Uh, I That's do have awful. one uh, question. Who does your guys' risk assessments? Because all these stories I'm oh, hearing gosh. that that seems uh, <laughs> risk is high. <laughs> Holy cow! No, it's yeah, it's not that high. No, yeah, it's it's really not that bad. I mean, there are definitely a lot of risks, but the team takes safety very very seriously so we go through and look at everything that could possibly go wrong and what we need to do to mitigate that <laughs> and like Jason was saying about routine earlier um, when we stick to our routines we can take doing the same jump we're doing anywhere and place it pretty much any spot in the world and we're gonna be doing the same thing so uh, Along with that uh, the equipment that we use everything we use is top of the line the army um, the, they take care of us, so and they give us all really good equipment. We've got redundancies, training, and um, yeah. So the risk assessments are a lot to actually put in to uh, paper, but it's there is an inherent risk to the sport. But like I said, the team takes safety very, very seriously. So it's like that uh, insurance commercial. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's actually funny about the the, the inherent risk thing is uh, our. Uh, our co obviously, the commander assumes all risk for all the jumps with the input of the team leaders and uh, all the jumpers. But as far as parachuting goes, it's very rare for us to have an accident or have a parachute malfunction. So rare, in fact, that for our demonstrations, we have to intentionally cause a malfunction on one of our parachutes in order for it to show what happens when it messes up because it is so rare. Huh. Yeah, it's our cutaway maneuver. We actually jump with three parachutes instead of the normal two that we have. And the first one you don't want to land with, so jump out, open it up, intentionally cause one side to malfunction, kind of spiral down, disconnect that, go back into free fall, and open up our main parachute. 
That's oh, a crowd wow. favorite. Yeah, and, so like, and then everyone's like, "Oh my god, who who did that one? Who had the one that had the parachute mess up?" And it was like, "Oh, that was me." And then everybody claims it. And I'm like, "Oh, that was totally me." No, no, it was me. That was me. <laughs> it's fun. It's actually really funny. Every time we do that maneuver, there's a narration going on explaining exactly what's happening, and do not be alarmed. This jumper is not in any danger right yeah. now. But almost every time, without fail, somebody calls 911 and they see the cutaway parachute falling off and they're like, oh my gosh, somebody just died somewhere. (laughs) No, no, we're fine. This was was planned. Everyone's seen fail videos before. (laughs) I mean, you were talking about, you know, like both of you coming together. I've seen that happen not on purpose. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) got to call it if you see it, I guess. And um, on that... Like you said, we uh, we all jump two parachutes. There's a main parachute and a reserve that everybody has. Um, most of us on the team are also FAA certified parachute technicians, okay. paid for by the military, which is nice. It's just another certification that we get to go get, another civilian certification. Um, we pack our own reserves. They're all uh, repacked and inspected every six months. We take all of our equipment, pull it out into the loft, just dump everything out and go inspect everything and basically reassemble it from scratch. So... That's that's a lot. Um, we talked about how you guys got into the Golden Knights from being in the Army, but how does being in the Golden Knights in, impact your overall Army career? You had mentioned once you hit E8, you, uh, you move out of the team. How does this affect uh, the rest of your career here in the United States Army? So that's, uh, that's a loaded one. <laughs> um, we do have—so most people will— generally not make e8 from the golden knights um there there are a lot of people that do but we are still competing within our mos so a lot of people can either do three or four years and then head back to doing their job kind of take this as a uh as a broadening assignment um a lot of us kind of choose to stay and then when most people that do actually leave will go through e7 and then either go to SFAS, the Special Forces Assessment and Selection, or go through an officer or a pilot program and go to like the warrant officer, or we've had people go to PA program before. We actually just had one of our younger guys get accepted to West Point. So it's usually yeah, gonna be the officer route leaving. There there are a handful of people that have made E eight and left the team. I'm personally trying to stay as long as I can. So I get that. It sounds fun. It's a great job. Sounds like a heck of a, a job to have in the military. It's the best job I've ever had. Yeah. Yep, agree. <laughs> <laughs> I get to travel and jump out of airplanes and helicopters with all my best friends <laughs> every day. Yeah, what's better than that? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, come on the podcast. That's definitely a bullet point. <laughs> so I know you guys work a lot of events. Um, so how does that work with the organization? Who lines that up? Do you guys have lots of partnerships? So um, our operations, the uh, unthanked heroes, I know Mike yeah, Cerner, Mike? Here, Mike so, um, <laughs> so he's a, uh, our uh, demo show coordinator, and then we also have a tandem coordinator. So the Golden Knights is actually broken down into four different teams. Well, five now. We actually just started a new team as well. But there's two demonstration teams. I told you, you know, we go through our assessment selection, and then everybody that passes goes to a demonstration team for at least one year, if not way longer. Um, from there, we break off into our tandem section, which we're on. We're, uh, our main job is actually just traveling the country to do tandems with centers of influence in the area, like Jason was talking about what we did in Texas a couple weeks ago. Um, and then we also have a competition team 
which they work on formation skydiving and represent the Army at a world level. Then um, the new team that we just started is our GK Extreme team. Um, right now they're opening up a uh, canopy piloting competition thing where they jump these ultra-small parachutes, go really, really fast, way too close to the ground, and they, they're they pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, also getting into base jumping as well. But uh, which is actually a lot of fun. Uh, we just did our the Army's first ever official base jumps at uh, Bridge Day in West Virginia. There's a almost thousand foot bridge in over the New River Gorge in West Virginia, and we went and jumped off that and represented the Army colors there. So that program's taking off as well. But each of these sections, we will basically either be requested to come to a certain event or we'll go through and figure out, hey, this is something that we want to do that can make an impact and we plan it internally and make it happen. Like I said, Mike works our operations for the demo teams. Our tandem section also has a coordinator that she's nonstop sitting at her desk on the phone figuring out how to get a, t get a tandem camp in some random location throughout the country that wants to send us. Wow. So there's a lot. There's a lot to There's it. There's a lot, There's a lot yeah. of moving parts. Yep. What has been, I know you guys had spoke about, you know, I guess your, your best experience here in the Golden Knights. What has been your best experience, you know, here overall in the Army? Uh, and how has your service here in the military uh, impacted your life? I would say one of the uh, best, like, experiences, impacts, I don't know what you want to call it, in my Army career has just been all the people that I've met. Like, every person that I've worked <laughs> with in the army is a go-getter wants to get shit done oh <laughs> get stuff done get stuff done he didn't yeah. say that. Do, you, do you want to cut that and try that again uh mass aren't sorry <laughs> he says he's keep rolling. going okay. he says keep rolling so <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Job, uh, yeah everybody everybody job, is uh great everybody is a uh, go-getter wants to get stuff done and um just the people you work with, you know, they're people you work with, but then they also become your best friends and people that, you know, you trust every day with your life. And those are lifelong friendships. You know, I, you know, I've got friends that have gotten out of the military <laughs> years ago and I still keep in contact with them. And I know that if I'm in Nevada, I have a place to stay because my friend is there. Like just the relationships between the people has been like my greatest army experience. People matter. Yeah, exactly. People, you know, I, I once had a master sergeant who told me at his promotion ceremony, he said, you know, everyone here will leave, or the battalion will go on without you, right? But the people you meet in the army, uh, that's that's who matters, and you just hit on that that perfectly. Yep. Have yourself, sorry, what, what has been? So I would say the army as a whole really has saved my life. Um, coming out of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was kind of a mess as a kid. I... Uh, I was a troublemaker. I wanted to party. Couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I started going to college, taking general ed classes, and kind of barely going sometimes. Um, I mean, I ended up deciding to go on a uh, spontaneous vacation to Costa Rica mid-semester one year, and then decided, I'm just going to stay here. This is better than college. Um, so I ended up getting a job down in Costa Rica, bartending for a while. Um, I was 20 years old at the time. I quickly learned that the world is not a nice place and it's not really a sustainable thing as a 20-year-old just taking off and bartending in Costa Rica. It was a good experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. 
But I came home, realized that I was no longer allowed to go back to the school I was at because I had not even informed, never even officially <laughs> dropped out. I just failed all my classes after leaving the country for three months. So um, still was trying to figure it out and um, bouncing between jobs, bouncing between places that I lived with different friends. Every now and again, I'd end up back at home with mom. And one day I was like, I had a bunch of friends joining the Navy, and they they all wanted to go be Navy SEALs, and I was like, maybe I should go do that with them, you know? So I went and talked to a Navy recruiter, and they basically told me, you don't really get to pick what you do here. We can put you on a SEAL contract, but it's probably not going to happen. I was like, well, that's... At least they were honest. Yeah. So I went and talked to a national... Or no, I went to the Army recruiter, and they were like no, you want to be a combat medic? We can make you a combat medic. That's cool. And that was exactly what I wanted to do. So I ended up joining as a medic, went through AIT. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to do my four years, get my GI bill, get out. Surely I'll know what I yeah. want to do by then. And that was right around the time I deployed to Iraq. I, or yeah, I deployed to Iraq for 13 months. I came home, I ended up getting put on orders to go up to Alaska, went up there for three years, and then I came across, am I going to go ahead and re-enlist? And I was like, this is, I'm actually having a lot of fun. I still didn't really want to know what I want to do when I grew up, so I decided to stay in, and since then, obviously I've made a career out of it, and just the different experiences that I've had, it's just constantly every day is something different. It helped me grow up, and it keeps me entertained. Honestly, it gives me a, a purpose. And like Jason said, the people and the relationships that you build are couldn't, couldn't trade for anything in the world. That's 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 incredible, Sergeant. Mm -hmm. You're at eighteen and a half years, right? This mm -hmm. is this is your swan song. What what has been your most impactful moment here in the army, and how has it impacted your life? Uh, it's uh, sorry to sound like a broken record, but it's the relationships you've forged with all the people that you've met throughout your travels. I've been stationed in Europe for six years. I've lived in Florida, Georgia, Arizona, Washington, North Carolina, all over these places. And you don't ex get to experience the good without the bad and all of the bad that you experience just throughout life in general. Um, I wouldn't trade the bad for all the good that I've got to experience with all the people that I've built and forged relationships with. Um, I was that guy that didn't want to leave his hometown when I'm from Tacoma, Washington, and I went to Fort Lewis for the first six years of my contract, uh, my, my military career, because I was like, oh, this is great. I'm happy. I'm home. I don't, don't want to go anywhere. I don't need to. This is awesome. This is the best place ever. And the Army forced me to get out of my bubble. It forced me to learn new cultures. It forced me to learn about other people. And then when you get that opportunity to meet people from everywhere, it doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter where each of us come from. We give each other crap because he's a Vikings fan and I'm a Seahawks fan, but <laughs> we're still friends. You know, at the end of the day, it's not like during we, football season. Yeah, not during football season. <laughs> <laughs> there you, go. you know, we can still we can we can do that. But when it comes down to it, yesterday, me and him are landing in the same corner on the Indy track. I know what he's going to do. He knows what I'm going to do. We can depend on each other for that. And there's an inherent value in that that you can't really explain. 
So when you get the opportunity to share that with somebody, it's it's truly invaluable. And I would I would say to kind of encompass it, it's it's the broadening horizons that the army has provided for me to everything that's included in that the people the locations the opportunities the views the sites you name it joining the army's best decision i ever made it's incredible well and you know the army it has its amazing perks but it also does come with its good and bad um so i'm sure you all have faced your own challenges in your military careers is there something that you all can pinpoint like was really challenging but you were able to overcome it and can you tell us what that kind of looked like for you um <clears throat> it seems like the challenges have honestly gotten more difficult as i've continued through my career i mean my first challenge just you know join the army you know go, go through basic training and try to you know uh fall in line with your first duty station and that was challenging, uh, but looking back, I'm like, that was easy. <laughs> you know, the, the next challenge, you know, is, um, you know, expert infantry. That was one of the very first things that I, I ran into that I was like, yo, I, I didn't make it my first try. You know, I was like, I went as hard as I could. I tried to learn as much as possible and I still failed, but that's okay. You know, it's a challenge and you overcome it. You try again. And then I earned my expert infantryman's badge. And, you know, that was difficult the first time. And the second time I was like, oh, it's not so bad. And then, the you know, your, your career goes on. And then I found out about the Army Golden Knights and I said, I want to go to their selection program. And that was incredibly challenging. You know, there were there were times in the selection program that I was like, I want to quit. This is difficult. Like, I don't know if I've got what it takes. We didn't let you, though. But you, yeah. Well, and, then, and that's where it comes down to, you know, the people around you, too. Right. They. Those people, those bonds that you have forged between the people, they support you. Like, I, I confided in Jake. Like, hey, I'm not sure if I've got this. Like, I'm thinking about quitting. And he's like, he supported me. He's like, no, man. Like, we're in this together. Like, I'm here. You're here. Focus. I don't recall being that nice about it. Yeah, it, it was, there, there might have been choice like, words, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm keeping it PC for you. But he got me, you know, and he, he got me back on the right path, and he helped me overcome that challenge as well. And so, for for me, those challenges in the moment, like that, that's something that the army's kind of taught me is that in the moment, something this can seem incredibly challenging, and you take a step back, and every challenge is is just. A few steps away from being in your past as something that was an easy obstacle to overcome so like that's something that the army has taught me that it's like it's okay to be challenged it's okay like to be in the position where you're like i don't know if i've got this and to just put your nose to the grindstone yeah absolutely the army's pretty good at that right there's people that have come before you people that come after you they're not gonna give you too much that's that's impossible right they're, they're giving you something that's, that's obtainable yeah challenging exactly yourself the army's incredible well and it, and it forces yeah. you to stretch and grow you know as a mm -hmm. as as an individual you know like if you sent me to to selection when i was a private there's no way i'm making that you no, know sure. I, I wasn't at a point individually <laughs> that i had grown far enough to overcome that challenge but you but the army has provided that opportunity to grow and prosper outside of that bubble like you had mentioned earlier you know i had a similar experience i got my first orders were to japan i was so mad i said i don't want to go to japan 
Best How awesome was Best Japan? It was incredible. How awesome was Japan? <laughs> uh, I ETS, came, went back there as a bartender, and then I found the national <laughs> <laughs> Came back to the Indiana National Guard afterwards. Uh, so similar experience, but they forced me to grow. They forced that challenge, and I'm a better man for it. Exactly. Yep. Uh, I would say one of the biggest difficulties for me has been just the uh, time sacrifice. Um, we have so much responsibility and there is just so much work that goes into it and being in a different part of the country from your family and not having the freedom to attend all of the, the family events and like weddings, births, birthdays, you see even regular holidays um, and you just can't make it home all the time. Uh, that's been the hardest part for me is just I'm not around my family. I'm probably not as close to him as I, oh, I, I am close to him as I used to be. I just don't get to do all of the things. You, you know, you, you do miss a lot of uh, big life events, but it all comes around to being absolutely worth it because you get more and the experiences that you get out of it. Um, they, they make a pretty good trade off. Um, and it also just, it helps you learn and grow from there and grow those relationships in different ways. So that would be, uh, probably one of the biggest challenges for me. Yeah, that was a good answer. That was a really good answer. It's, it's part of it. It's part of the sacrifice. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, part of it is, is the time you don't get back. And the biggest challenge is the people coming in and out of your lives. Um, because you develop and forge relationships with people that all at all your duty stations. People you interact with every day. We've had people leave the team that have gone on to do, you know, great things. And, you know, you miss them and people back home moved away people that are at your other units is you don't just because um we spend so much time together here on the team like we all develop that relationship with each other whether whether uh, it's uh tried to or not we still just like know each other we know each other's little ticks we know each other's little things and get under each other's we know each other's little buttons <laughs> so the uh little bits that you you share those those small intimate moments, those private moments with your friends that are, um, and brothers that come in and out of your life. That's probably been the most challenging thing because you have to find a new support system wherever you go. And it's not always the same. It's a different version of a support system. So when, uh, you know, you leave that one duty station and go to another one and it's like, okay, well, I knew how things were before. Now I need to find a new norm and it's adjusting to that regardless of what it is, whether you're going through tryouts, whether you're on a deployment, whether you're in a school, you're in a training environment, or you're on a SCADA. So it's it's uh, learning and adapting to those relationships and depending and leaning on somebody and also being there for somebody when they need you to. Being a good mm -hmm. teammate. Good team. Relationships matter. People matter. We, just, we keep it on those same, those same topics. Going back 18 and a half years, 10 years, you know, Think about when you were first joining the U.S. military. What is one piece of advice you'd offer to someone who's thinking, you know, listening to this and thinking about, I want to be them, you know? I, I want to be a soldier. I want to be a gold knight. What's what's one piece of advice you'd offer to someone who's thinking about joining the military? Send it, bro. Well, yeah, send it. <laughs> send it, bro. Say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, uh, you know, go for it. Chase, chase that dream. Um, but the piece of advice that I would also give is um, recognize that, where you want to go probably takes work. So, you know, just accept that in the back of your mind, like, hey, I want to go there. 
and you have to be willing to put in the work to go where you want. Like there are no free handouts, uh, especially in the army. Every, everything is the same for everybody. Everybody has the same opportunity in the army. Like anybody in the army who's enlisted can come to our team, right? So it's all up to you to make sure that you go where you want to. The opportunities are there. Chase them, work for them, and they'll and you'll receive them. Very well said. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and say keep an open mind. One of my biggest pet peeves with young soldiers in the army is they come in and complain that, oh, this is what I'm going to like. I, and I thought I was like that, too. I think almost everybody is. Everybody's like, well, I'm a medic. This is what I'm doing for the rest of my career. And then they will get out after four years after initial contract, which is OK. But then they'll be like, no, oh, that's all I did. Well, it's because you didn't keep an open mind and look for other opportunities as I've spent time in the military, I've realized how many opportunities there actually are if you just keep your mind open and, like Jason said, do the work to put into it, but look for the opportunities, look for all the doors that are opening to you, and it is endless. Even, like for me, I was just a random detail that I got put on that got me here, and since I've been here, I've seen so many other possibilities open up, like, oh, I can go do that, I can go do this. The Army has a video game team. They have a bass fishing team. They have, you can go shoot guns in the Olympics if you want. World class um, athlete program. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They, there are so many things that you can do. I uh, I recently learned that Fort Bragg has a hockey team that becomes a full time thing. Really? Like, yeah. Really? really? There's, yeah. Fort Bragg has a hockey team. Not when I was there. That had to be new. No, That's and, pretty cool. That was honestly, I was actually, uh, I, cool. I was buying a little mini dirt bike off of some guy on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> and I went to him, and he, he happened what to be bike? a soldier, and we, we just, started talking he's like yeah no i'm on the fort bragg hockey team I was like what hockey team? yeah and it, it's a full-time gig in the army so keep an open mind look for those opportunities and whatever they you want to do pretty much in the world the army can pay you to do it and i think that's pretty dang cool you're not pigeonholing your in your MOS. Yes. No. Nope. You know. And but, but, uh, but yeah. a lot of people yeah. get in that closed mind that this is what they're doing yep. and then they just don't do the work. They don't look for anything. A lot of people just kind of expect if it doesn't come to me and isn't like, yeah. here you go, then it's not going to happen. But if you if you look for it, the opportunities are there. This is going to come as a shock to you. Neither of us have the podcast MOS, but here we are, right? Yeah, just keep that open mind. Weird. There you go. <laughs> Maybe you guys are the first ones. It's, yeah, we're, we're working on the oh, ASI boy. for it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, how about yourself? Closing thoughts on that, I man. What are what piece of advice you'd offer? What's the worst thing that they can say? No. Yeah. You can, you, the, the worst mistake you make is not trying. Literally, that's the, I didn't think I, when I thought about joining the army, oh, that's something that other people do. I can't keep up with that. I can't do that. Well, I'm going to give it a go. What's the, I can't, I'm not good. I'm not a good skydiver. Like those guys on the team, like I saw the videos, I watched them. I'm like, man, I can't do that. I don't know how they do. That's impressive. How the heck am I going to get on that team? The best things on the, are on the other side of difficult. If it's not difficult, it's not worth it. Mm. Yeah, I was just thinking that, like, yeah, put, put yourself in the path of failure. Yeah. It's, like, it, put yourself in a position where you could fail because you can also succeed in that position. Yeah, if, you're, if you're not yeah, exactly. failing, you're not trying. I think, was it Michael Jordan said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take? Yeah, that was Michael Scott. 
Michael Scott. Mm. Michael okay. Scott from The Office. Oh, oh brother. <laughs> Gosh, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we were. Uh, so Parkour. our uh, our friend and teammate that we had mentioned earlier that we're kind of dedicating this jump to, who's retiring after twenty years. So he had a amazing career. He was. Um, he came in, went to the airborne school thing. Um, from there, randomly took a shot and went through the Army Rangers. I think he said he's got seven or like 11 combat deployments, right? Whoa. Wow. Yeah, 11 combat deployments over 11. 20 years. Um, he ended up doing the Ranger Assessment and Selection Program, put thousands of Rangers. He was the, yeah. Um, like he was their trainer. Oh, wow. And came to the Golden Knights. He mentored a lot of us. And so, anyway, we're at his house for dinner last night and for whatever reasons logistically he had to take off i think he, he's in a uh, pilot program right now and i he didn't actually get to do his retirement ceremony before he left so we went to his house last night and just so happened he lives 20 minutes from here so we were able to bring all his retirement gifts and everything it was pretty cool but he had a whole speech and and he talked about fear and learning to cope with fear as part of life and facing it head-on to get to all of those accomplishments that you can make like ryan was talking about if if you accept that fear learn to cope with it and push to the other side of it you're going to come out a better stronger more successful and accomplished human being so yeah yeah if it if it wasn't hard then everybody would do it yeah that's right yeah. if it wasn't hard everybody would do it be that person be that change be that one that you want you see these people doing these things that you want to do do it go for it go yep. for it and it's uh, the other saying is like it's not how many times you get knocked down it's how many times you get back up it's, <laughs> it's cliche go for it do it keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing don't stop don't give up keep trying yep and that was actually kind of reminded me of something that i was told uh in the beginning of my career joining as an infantryman is the pride of the infantry doesn't come from uh doing something that other people can't do it's from doing something that other people won't do so just being willing to do something is can be a point of pride and like i'm willing to do what it takes it's incredible yeah. gentlemen yeah. thank you so much for sharing all these stories if somebody wants to find out more about the golden knights where do they go goarmy.com slash golden knights Perfect. And they're uh, definitely awesome check, Instagram yeah, page. Definitely <laughs> check us out. Oh my gosh. At Army Golden Knights <laughs> or uh, GK, GK Tandem, Tandem is our team. Uh, yeah, okay. we got to shamelessly plug ourselves here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah, please do. Um, yeah, we have a Facebook page, um, Insta Instagram. Um, uh, well, Facebook is at US, or US Army Golden Knights. And then. And then the United the States Army Parachute <laughs> Team, the Golden Knights on YouTube, if you want to check out a whole lot of really cool videos of us doing all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Awesome. So. That's, no, that's, that's really cool. Thank you again for sharing. Uh, for everybody else listening, thank you uh, for listening. Uh, please like, comment, and subscribe. Lima Charlie, out. Oh, just about a station. Stepping on each other.